0: TNC now.
1: The views, opinions, and insights expressed in the following shows are those of the host, producers, guests, and viewers. They do not necessarily reflect the position of the channel. Viewer discretion is advised.
0: Welcome to the new channel. Our passion transforms a community that sees and shares all things new. This is Francis Bauer streaming from San Mateo, California, and this is Design Your Life. Do you like to watch and live vicariously through others' family lives, travels, relationships, passions? This show is here to encourage you to go beyond just dreaming. We'll show you some things that'll stretch your beliefs and you'll meet some people whose real world experiences and perspectives just might help you figure out how to go after the life you want and maybe even break some mental barriers you didn't realize you had. This is Design Your Life with Frances Bauer. Born in the Philippines, raised in Detroit, Michigan, and having trained and honed his culinary skills in New York and Chicago, Illinois, Carlo Le Magna has come a long way since I last saw him as a fellow pre-med student. A quick web search would reveal that he was one of Plate Magazine's Chefs to Watch in 2018. Star Chef's Rising Star Chef in 2018, one of Food & Wine Magazine's Best New Chefs in 2021, James Beard Foundation finalist's best chef for the Pacific and Northwest in 2022, and his restaurant, Magna Casina, was hailed restaurant of the year by the Oregonian in 2021. He's been featured on TV and multiple online foodie magazines, and even won around on the TV show, The Globe, besting three fellow chef competitors and winning a trip to Japan. woo And if all that wasn't enough to look up, You'll find he did a TED Talk on redefining authenticity in cuisine. Joining me today from Portland, Oregon, chef and restaurateur, Carlo La Magna. Welcome, Carlo, to Design Your Life.
1: Hi. Hey, how's it like,
0: going? Hey, good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and I still have yet to see you in person. The last time I saw you in person, you were just, you know, telling me. I know, Dad wants me to be a doctor.
1: Oh, uh, that was, God many <laughs> many, many, moons ago. Oh <laughs>
0: many moons ago. over twenty years, I think. We,
1: we're still in the <laughs> 19s. The 19s <laughs> it was That That's long ago! Long. Oh
0: my goodness.
1: We're still young, though.
0: I know, right? I just, <laughs> re, Yeah. What is it? Asian don't raisin. I love it. Yep. Um, but I wanted to check in with you on that. Like so, um. Gosh, from pre med student to how many restaurants do you own now? too? Two, <laughs> well, and you're opening up another one in Denver,
1: yeah, right? yeah, that is correct. Okay. I mean, you know, we, we did not end up becoming a doctor, uh, <laughs> kind of missed that on that. Um, no, I, uh, I opened uh, I opened a Filipino restaurant here in Portland, Oregon called Magna Cucina mm-hmm. in 2019, and then I um, we opened our second one called Magna Cubo uh just last year in twenty twenty three. I was mm-hmm. about to say 2024. It's so crazy. <laughs> um but yeah we're and we're set to open a uh, another restaurant in Denver uh in Denver Colorado as well as a rooftop bar at some point this year hopefully in the next few months. Um but yeah other than that you know <laughs> everything's good. <laughs>
0: lots of up and since then, but t- can you just bring me back, catch me up? We never really got a chance to really catch up on that. What? How did yeah. that conversation go? Um, well, all this I, money invested in you being the next doctor of the family, oh, and then yeah. I mean, how did you even broach that subject to your parents?
1: Well, well, you know how it is. You know, in you know living in the Philippines and growing up in the Philippines too, uh-huh. is that you know that there's high expectations from us kids. Right. You know, to follow in certain footsteps or to become better or do whatever. You know, never never following your dream, but following what's practical and what in what, what most people think, right? Yeah, if it wasn't to become a doctor, it's become a nurse. It's if it wasn't to become a nurse, it was to become, you know, whatever it's gonna be, engineer, lawyer, all these other things. And cooking was never a uh, you know, was never even in the picture. Um but yeah, I mean, after after going to school and, and, and not doing so well, <laughs> stay in school, kids, uh, after after not, you know, not doing so well in school, you know, you, you just find other pathways and other means to to make a living and cooking came about actually in the Philippines. You know, I enjoyed um, besides school, you know, I did enjoy a, a good game of billiards. <laughs> and so, in order to to kind of help pay for billiard games, you know, I would work at little carinderias just for a little extra cash, whether it's just washing dishes or or helping chop something up or whatever. And I and, and kind of caught the bug. Um, my, my sister gave me that, introduced me to cooking, uh, like formal style cooking. I mean, of course, growing up, I mean, I'm sure it's the same as you. Growing up, we used to cook all the time, you know, with the family doing whatever, rolling lumpia, you know. You know, you see your parents making adobo. You know, as a kid, we like, got to come in and coming, Then next thing you know, we're 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 like you know cleaning all the go- you know doing all the dirty work as kids. Oh, yeah,
0: all um, the butchering, <laughs> all the things,
1: right? But uh, but over those years, like to really have a passion for cooking, it just everything just kept on piling on. Um, oh, fast yeah. forward, I, I went back to the U.S. in 2000, and you know, I really found that I had an interest in cooking. And so I continued to pursue it professionally. I went to a small school in Michigan, actually, um, Mm -hmm. in Detroit. I worked for quite a few years in Detroit before I even moved to New York uh, to go back to school. Um, I had been working in the culinary field at that point for about seven, eight years, and I went Mm -hmm. back to school in New York. And then from there, it just kind of snowballed, right? From New York, I moved to Chicago, Chicago to Portland. You know, I did a little bit of time in Europe as well. but yeah, I mean, and here we are, fast forward to 2024, you know, I, I lost all my hair from cooking. <laughs> Stress. I had Stress. hair. You me. Actually, you, me. you're one of the few people who probably remember me with hair. With hair. <laughs> so oh, I know, overcompensate with this.
0: Oh, that's, oh so that's where you're growing your hair, right? Yeah, you know. I'm- So, you know, a lot of people enjoy cooking, if I may ask. A lot of people enjoy cooking, but not a whole lot of people decide, you know what, I really enjoy cooking. I'm going to do this for a living. How did you know that that's what you wanted to do for a living? Like, that was truly your passion. Like, shoot, I like, there's a lot of things that I enjoy. I don't necessarily want to do them for a living.
1: Yeah, you know, cooking, cooking was one of those things that came... You know, it, it really does stem from childhood, right? A lot of people mm-hmm. there, you know, the stories of all these chefs like, oh, I used to cook at my grandmother's hip, this, that, that. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's commonplace. Anybody who enjoys food will mm-hmm. have been involved in their family, you know, cooking, right? But mm-hmm. for me, it was actually a very precise moment. It was when, you know, my sister used to cook for me a lot. Um, you know, my entire family grew amazing cooks, my brother, my sister, my dad, my mom. But my sister's the one who really, like... She watched cooking shows. She read cookbooks. She would bake. She would try these different recipes from the shows she saw. And Mm. so at the time, I would benefit from that because I would eat it. You know, I would be like, oh, I'm going to eat whatever you're making. Um, Yeah. But then at some point, she was sick and tired of me just eating. (laughs) (laughs) And so she taught me how to hold a knife. Mm -hmm. You know, she watched on TV. You know, this is how you hold a knife this is how you chop an onion. You know, you put it next to your fingers and you just, and and I remember from the first time that I cut that onion and cutting a potato in the way that like a chef would or how Mm -hmm. I saw these guys were doing on TV. Yeah. It was exhilarating. It was like, oh, I could do this fast. Like I can, I can go faster. I can, you know, and, you know, just like any, any part of me, it's, it's always wanting to be better at something. You know, I don't necessarily, I didn't necessarily have to be the best, but I always wanted to become better. And mm-hmm. so that's kind of the little seed that got planted and I took these little skills that I had that I learned along the way and I and I utilized that and mm-hmm. it became a career because you know after leaving med school or not even med school pre right? med pre-med? Yeah,
0: right when you take
1: for pre med I forget uh B, I was a BS psych major I was psych. a psych
0: major psych? I wasn't
1: <laughs> I wasn't smart enough to get into any other pre med um <laughs> Uh, but after, after leaving school, I just, I just, I was like, this isn't, I don't know what to do. And I just remembered cooking and, and, and I was like, you know what? I really, I really want to give a go at this. And I was, I almost went to culinary school in the Philippines, a small little culinary school over there. It was run by some European chef. It was uh Le Soufflé. Remember that mm-hmm. restaurant, Le Soufflé in Katipunan?
0: Mm-hmm. There's a
1: culinary school attached to that. And I almost went there, but instead I, you know, I came back to the U.S. So I could earn some money while I was, you know, while I was learning. Sure. And yeah, my first job was at a, when I was enrolling into a community college for culinary, I, I got a job at a place called the Detroit Athletic Club in downtown. My dad actually helped me get the job and zero, almost zero experience, no formal training. You know, I put on a tie, buttoned down shirt. On.
0: Your dad helped you get that job.
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he had
0: gotten over his disappointment of <laughs> not being. Well, that
1: that point, he's like, you, you need to, your ass needs to work. You need to make some ah. money. I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, um no, but but he knew, you know. Yeah, yes, he wasn't the happiest, nor okay. did he understand until later, uh-huh. you know what 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 the goal was, but he definitely was supportive. I mean, there are many, many times he's like, why don't you join the air force? Why don't you do the Navy? Go join the military or work in a bigger hotel where there's like more money. But for me, I knew from the beginning, it was never about money. It was more about, okay, let's, let's roll. Let's, let's see how far I can go in this and see where, where things will take me. And, And I mean, like I said, you know, gosh, 24 20 now about 28 29 years later 30 years later like
0: why are we this old sorry he, he go on
1: <laughs> Time passes. um yeah but ultimately ultimately it's uh you know be, my dad passed away in 2009 but i think ultimately before he passed away he kind of saw my intention and and how 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 where i was going with all this you know mm-hmm. And so, and so, yeah, I mean, it, it was amazing. Like, you know, before he passed away, he definitely put a little bit of pressure on me in the sense of like making me promise to, to, to continue with Filipino food. He always asked me that, that my entire cooking time was, well, why don't you, why do not you introduce adobo? Why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? Of course, any, any, any rebellious young child to be like, no, why would I do that? They're not ready for that. Or no, that's not what I'm trying to do. I mean, yeah. I thought I was going to go fine dining French, Spanish, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but here we are, like I said, you know, so many, so many years later, I mean, even 10 years after he passed away, you know, 2019, that's when I opened the Filipino restaurant. It just kind of was fitting that it was around that time that, that, that I opened, you know, in mm-hmm. kind of dedication to him. I mean, the entire restaurant is, is dedicated to my entire family, you know? Mm-hmm. So we're gonna, we're, you know, we still push it. So.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, before I ask you about, The whole, you know, you've you've actually become uh, become somewhat of a Filipino food ambassador in the Mm. restaurant scene, um, particularly in Portland. But before we before we even go there, I wanted to ask for the, you know, for the purpose of folks that are that are watching this and are going, I want to do something different from what my parents wanted me to do. And they already bought all the stuff and put the money into tuition or, you know, there's just so hopeful for me. How do I approach the subject that I'm about to break their heart and their, their dreams for me, which they have all the best intentions, intentions, but this is not what I'm, I'm going to do with my life.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Share with that person who's watching today.
1: I mean, absolutely. It's, it's, it's one of the most, it's one of the hardest things is, um, is to pursue something right. Is, is, Mm -hmm. is. Is to pursue something that you're passionate about, that you're that you're in love with. I mean, you said it yourself. It's their dream. It's not yours. Yeah. I mean, their their dream becomes your dream by sheer by sheer pressure and sheer like just like influence, right? Oh, I ka, you know, become a nurse so they can move to the United States, do this, that, or the other, seek out a better life. Even my mom admitted it. My mom's like, I never wanted to become a nurse. I hated nursing. She's like, I hate that. You know, I hate the sight of blood or, you know, you know, but she was a nurse for 60 plus years. Holy you know? smokes. But, but that's my thing, though. It's like what she she did it because it was a means to an end. Right. Mm. My dad had a dream. His dream was to become a doctor. I mean, my my grandparents weren't doctors like his parents were uh, one was, you know, my my grandmother was a teacher and my grandfather was a military guy, you know. But my dad wanted to become a doctor. And in order to pursue that, he was willing to do anything it took. So he became a nurse, too. Came to the U.S., saved up money because he grew up poor, you know, saved up mm-hmm. money. And then eventually, you know, he met my mom here, married my mom here, actually had my brother in, in Canada. I mean, we were Canadian mm-hmm. for a very long time.
0: Um, mm, I remember that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And, and eventually, uh, you know, he pursued his dream. Like he became a doctor he was an amazing doctor. He was a very smart man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think in that pursuit, he always had this dream of like, my dream is not my kid's dream. He wanted us to be, go in the medical field because it was practical, this side or the other. And for me, the hardest part was one, finding out what I wanted to do. I didn't know what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. Even when I did have that big blowout conversation with my dad, like we had it out. We had a big fight. I remember I was 18. I was messing up, you know, and and or uh, 18 or 19. And we had this huge blowout. And I just remember realizing that I wasn't happy. You know, um, a lot of people don't care about happiness. There's a level of, you know, I let, let's put it this way. You have a goal. You have a dream. Don't expect the most direct route to that dream you're going to take so there's so many paths that you're going to take there's so many different roads that will lead you to to the promised land that will lead you to where you want to be but it's not always going to be the most direct i wasn't the most direct like i i mm-hmm. it took me years like i got i had to get kicked out of college so in order for me to to really pursue what i wanted to do and i had to i had to break the norm i just did it like and that's the other thing just 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 do it
0: just do it
1: you know and if if it's not if you're not successful in it you know don't be discouraged you're not gonna know unless you fail keep mm-hmm. failing people people are so afraid of failing that they f- they, they they don't learn anything and then the next thing you know they're stuck right me i took i, I failed so many times I, i've owned restaurants before this restaurant
0: mm-hmm. and i
1: failed and it failed within months i'm like oh this is bad you know out?
0: In the wrong area, maybe, or was it your your stab at, at European cuisine?
1: Well, not not really European. It was actually Mexican, which is funny. Um, <laughs> I partnered with my old my old boss. Uh, uh-huh. He was you know, the restaurant I worked at. I was the executive chef at. He wanted to open this restaurant, and he uh-huh. asked me to become a partner so I could be the chef. Whatever. I said sure. It'll lead into a Filipino thing eventually. But you know, we we started. I actually near the end of our our life at that restaurant, I started putting uh-huh. on. Filipino tacos, like sisig tacos, mm-hmm. I did uh-huh. uh, lingo adobo. And okay. it was very popular. But that it just wasn't enough at the time. But but here's the thing is like that's part of it. I failed. I failed hard. And 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 it, it was in that failure that I learned so many things that helped me in my journey to open my first restaurant, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and the second and the third, and is who it's, I'm not saying that I'm a complete success now. I still fail. I still have failures, you know, losses, but it's in over the years of experience, it teaches you how to deal with those failures, how to, mm-hmm. how to overcome those failures and create a learning experience from those failures. That's the most important part. So don't be afraid to fail, fail, God, fall on your face. It doesn't matter. But know those are the things you can't be afraid to tell your parents to tell your whoever is putting you through this stuff that this isn't what you want to do because if you don't love what you do in my opinion you know this is definitely my opinion. you don't love what you do you're doing it all wrong right you're not going to have that level of passion that's going to keep pushing you you know to 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 reach better heights to keep going to further your career to do amazing things. It doesn't matter what you're doing. Cooking, shit, you can be knitting. I don't care. Crocheting, basket weaving. You can be amazing at anything. Be an artist, be a musician, be be whatever you want to be. You know, there's so many different individuals out there that I've come you know, across and that I've helped their journey, right? Um, I have friends who are artists that then, you know, they're like, oh, I'm not making it glad. It's like, keep going. I'll support you. Let's do something. Let's figure it out. Um, don't be discouraged. Just keep pushing yourself. And and you'll find that it, it it's better, you know. So yeah. going
0: back to thank you, yeah, uh, and I I hope our viewers today and if there's with you know, the um, audience that we have following this show, there's gotta be a couple of you out there that are probably struggling with that. So I hope that helps you. Um, thank you for that, Carlo. Yeah. Now, of course. Moving forward on the topic of Filipino food, why Filipino food? Why didn't you go in to do it? Why not a greasy spoon burger and fries diner? Um, okay. You know, <laughs> tell, tell us about that. Why didn't you do, Why uh, you know, your own little Italian joint? Yeah, clearly you have the skill set and training to do any, all of that stuff.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, I've, uh, you know, I've been cooking for, way too long. Um, yeah, I've been cooking for over 25 years now, you know, that's, that's a long time to be doing anything. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where I trained under a French chef, Italian chef, I've done Spanish food, uh, and I've gotten quite good at all these different types of cuisines. And honestly, when I was younger in my career, I thought that I was going to, uh, go that route. Like I was going to be mm-hmm. a, a chef in, at a French restaurant or a chef at a you know, high-end, whatever whatever it was going to be. Um, but over time, I realized like, you know, Filipino food is always, I love Filipino food. I always have, you know, but I've always seen it just like everybody, most other people as something very personal. It was mine, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, then over the years, I started realizing I was like, man, you know, there's you know Vietnamese food, Korean food, Japanese food. It's getting all these accolades, all these things. I was like, oh, that's cool. Mm-hmm. And then when my dad passed away in two thousand nine from cancer, one of the final conversations that we had in the hospital was that you know, he he said he said all the all the things that he needed to hear. Right? It was I was I'm proud of you, um, mm-hmm. which is a big big deal for all of us, right? It's huge,
0: especially, especially yeah. if you're a Locano.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Even oh, I don't know
0: serious. how
1: to say that. <laughs> yeah, they did. Uh, he did. Um, and and but he said something that 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 really kind of uh, set the ball rolling. He was. He said, "You know, I'm very proud of who you are and who you've become. But promise me that you'll never forget where you came from and who you are and the culture, right? And and who you are, right?" Who you are and where you came from are two very, very deep things that anybody, uh, anybody. I don't care who you are, those, those, those are very deep um, kind of reflections of yourself. Mm-hmm. And so that started the ball rolling. I mean, I, he passed away, and I, I remember I started pursuing and thinking about Filipino food from a different angle. Um, I remember the restaurant that I was working on at, at the time in Chicago, I started putting on Filipino dishes, but I didn't call them by their Filipino name. But like the the concept of a silog, you know, mm-hmm. I started kind of toying around with that. You know, instead of rice, we did couscous. Like I did a garlic fried couscous with a, a pheasant egg because phe- it was pheasant was the ingredient, right? So mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I could do a kind of a, a take on an inasal with a silog style, you know, presentation. Mm-hmm. And then it's it just kept going. You know, Re- how do you rethink adobo? How do you rethink dishes that you grew up with? How do you rethink, you know? uh, uh, icons of, of our food, right. Um, and so throughout the years, as I got, as I, as I gained more experience in cooking, obviously my viewpoints changed and evolved into what, what is now being presented at the restaurants. And even then what I present at the restaurants is still evolving into different Mm. dishes, you know, different iterations. Um, we just did a tasting menu a couple, two weeks ago. And uh-huh. I, I rethought balut. You know, I love balut, right? Everybody, everybody's like, oh, either, either, oh, you. What eat did you balut do to
0: or, the balut, or, oh, dude? What did you do to the balut?
1: <sighs> I mean, so, so <laughs> it's funny. I actually sell balut at the restaurant when when I have it, right? Uh-huh. I tell it's all about how you tell people. It's okay. all about how you present it, right? So, so sure. the way that I present balut, you know, just the normal way. It's like, oh, I tell people, it's like, you know what? It's been villainized by, 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 you know, by
0: fear factor,
1: fear (laughs) factor. All these different, all these different things put this like uh, Mm -hmm. the stigma on what bulut is. I was like, if you think about it, it's like the original three course menu. You know, Hmm. it's like first you have the sabal. You know, you 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 crack it open and you have this beautiful consommé that that's just like really rich in flavor. And then next, you know, if you eat it the order that I eat it, you know, you eat the yolk first and you have this rich and creamy, like the creamiest and richest yolk you're ever going to eat. Uh-huh. And then, of course, for your final course, the main course, you're going to have, you're going to have this little, it's like a chicken nugget with texture. Yeah, There's a little crunch, you know, sometimes if you're it, it tickles the back of your throat, you know, uh, but I love it. It's so good. Um. But but that's the thing though it's like it's how you present it to somebody you know mm-hmm. and so this past tasting menu we kind of reimagined what bulut is and you know if you close your eyes and think about it when you eat Balut, you get the yolk you get the rich creaminess you get you do get that broth um, you get a very intense chicken flavor and then you get actually get offal, right because of, the chick is developed in there right so you get a little yeah. bit of this offal like liver uh, liver mm-hmm. flavor so I just took all that and presented it in technique. So I did uh, a, a custard, which presents the yolk. I topped it with the consomme. So I made an actual chicken consomme. So it's almost like a Japanese chawamushi, right? The the, okay. the egg, egg custard. So there's mm-hmm. chicken in it, mushroom. There was a consomme in there, the custard. Uh, I put chicken skin, for, crunchy chicken skin on top. And then to ta- you know, I put a little bit of uh, chicken liver mousse that we made. Oh, and when no. you eat it, yeah, when you eat it all together, oh, if you really analyze it, and because that's all I ever ask of people: close your eyes and take. If it reminds it of, you know, of, of a dish, reminds you of a dish, I'm fine. Like I made it, we're good, you know. So, yeah,
0: that's beautiful. Now so I'm thinking about a little bit about your TED talk on redefining authenticity in cuisine, and I know your restaurant. Every now and again, someone has to say it. It doesn't taste like how my grandma made it. Therefore, it's yeah. not authentic. Um every day. Every day, <laughs> every day huh?
1: Yeah.
0: You got people coming in. Um for those uh, for for our audience who hasn't seen your Ted Talk, you, you had to share a little tidbit on you know, your take on authenticity in, in Filipino cuisine, because a lot of people are doing fusion stuff and, you know, mm. it's always getting mixed reviews, Um no matter who's doing it, not just you, but, you know, a lot of Filipino Filipino chefs out there yeah. um, are getting mixed reviews on, why do you got to be creative? It's already, our, our cuisine is already fusion. You don't need to, uh. yada 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 yada. <laughs> you've heard it all, I'm sure.
1: <laughs> um Oh, well, first of all, first mm-hmm. of all, I, I think that anybody who who labels our cuisine as as a fusion, uh-huh. I think it's wrong. Like okay. just straight out. I think it's wrong.
0: Okay.
1: Um, I, I, I like to try to change somebody's mind and and, and just the terminology, just like explaining balot. How do you explain Filipino cuisine? I, I like to tell people that it's an evolutionary cuisine. It evolves. Right, okay. it evolves with each iteration of 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 who we are as as a country. Right, um, think about it. Throughout history, uh, pre pre colonial times, pre Spanish period, we have the indi- indigenous tribes. Right, the thirteen indigenous tribes. Mm-hmm. We each had our own our own way of doing things, depending on you know our environment, what ingredients yes. we can get. I mean, if you lived you know think about pangasinan alone right my dad's province oh, yes. think about pangasinan there's pangasinan by the coast and there's pangasinan that's inland by the inland, mountains yes. so dry fish fresh fish right
0: mm-hmm. go
1: even further my mom's from cagayan valley from Apari, one of the northernmost points in, in in luzon right um she's Ilujano too but then over there you have you know you have a, a lot of fresh seafood um mm. as compared to compared to something my dad would eat you know like tanget and tuyo versus like, oh, freshly grilled sardines or freshly, you know, all these different things. Uh The reason why I say this is because we already had a rich history in our indigenous culture alone, right? Great Uh food. But then even before the Spaniards came, you got to remember the Philippines was a major trading point, you know, between the Chinese, the, you know, the the Malays. And, you know, we became a trading point even for the, you know, the Dutch and Portuguese have made their way over a long, long time ago, but we were never colonized then. Mm-hmm. So in that trading point from the China becoming that main focal point for, for all these different areas around us, we were introduced to soy sauces. We were mm-hmm. introduced to to certain different grains of rice, all these different yes. things. Pork was introduced to us later on, right? Um, even though we had indigenous boars, you know, the pork that we eat now it comes from stems from from other sources that that came through. So each step from indigenous culture to a trading point to now a Spanish colony, which the long standing visitors in the Uh Philippines um, are colonizers, (laughs) right? They brought in so many different things to us that that we then adapted and evolved with. Does that make sense? That's right. So to me, fusion is taking two things that don't belong together and forcing them together. That's what fusion is. For okay. me, I look at it less like that and more so like, like you know, I look at it from the philosophy of Bruce Lee, the way that he created his martial art, Jeet Kune Do, you know, yeah. he took what was useful to yes. him and expelled everything that wasn't. That's not to say that it was wrong. It's just it wasn't useful to him. So that's what I, how I look at our cuisine. We took Mm -hmm. the things that we really can use and adapt, and we rolled with the punches, and then everything else we kind of just let go. Um, Some of the things we did not let go of, like Filipino spaghetti. Uh, Hot dogs and tomato ketchup. Great. A lot of sugar. Um, Banana
0: ketchup. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I saw an Italian reviewing it one time. He's like, banana ketchup you put the but he just couldn't wrap his head yeah. around it. it was
1: hilarious but, but that's the thing though is mm-hmm. that we evolved with what we needed to evolve with banana yeah. ketchup actually is a fantastic example of how we evolved yes. because tomato ketchup tomato ketchup was too expensive tomatoes weren't native you know weren't native to the philippines at that point right we were introduced to us but it was too expensive for us so how did we substitute it we took banana yeah. We, yeah. you know doc, uh, who's the doctor Doctora something. She,
0: she. They named the street after her. What's her name? I forget. Yes, but I know who you're talking yeah, about.
1: She. I mean, she was a food scientist that created yes. banana ketchup, and now mm-hmm. it's it's this thing, right? It's it's now it's now a quintessential ingredient in a lot of people's pantries. It um, is. so you can see where the evolution comes from, right? That's why Filipino food. That's why I do what I do now is because mm-hmm. I believe that our food is is on this level. Uh, you know, that is on par, if not better than other people's cuisines, right? Mm-hmm. Um But I get challenged quite a bit, you know, okay. authenticity, the conversation of authenticity is, is such a, a um, <laughs> challenging conversation sometimes, because mm-hmm. then and I get into arguments with other Filipinos, it's like, you, you know, because they're uh, just blurting out this, this a lot of like, just Really dumb things, honestly. Like, oh, this isn't Filipino. I was like, I, you know, it is Filipino. How are you? How Who are you the authority to say that this isn't Filipino? What's authentic? So, this is from the conversation uh, that I had on TED Talk. Um,
0: uh-huh.
1: It was, what's authentic to you isn't going to be authentic to me.
0: Uh-huh. But
1: it doesn't mean that your authentic is to be imposed on mine, right? Uh-huh. But well, what you try to do is you try to connect those things because there's always a common denominator. Mm-hmm. There's always something that's going to connect you to. But the way that I grew up eating adobo is not going to be the same way that you did. But it's still the flavor profiles are there. And I the example that I gave actually was with sinigang. Okay. Um, for a person who grew up in the Philippines, sinigang is classically made with you know, you name the ingredient, tamarind, uh,
0: guava, tamarind, tomato.
1: guava, uh, um, uh, tomatoes, sometimes, um,
0: yes. yeah.
1: Yeah, or sometimes right. calamansi, you know, canci sure. style. there are so many different ways uh, to make sinigang, but you have to understand what sinigang is first, which is a sour soup that is, the souring agent is a green fruit, right? Mm-hmm. It's an unripened fruit that is souring. Because when you have a tamarind that is not that is ripe, it's sweet, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. If you have any of these fruits when they're ripe, they're sweet. So you're taking a green fruit that's sour, and doing that, right? So, so that's say that's authentic to us. We grew up with that. Okay. Now, if you went, which you are, you did, you moved to the to the U.S. Let's say we moved to the U.S. in in the 40s and 50s. Let's mm-hmm. say. Okay, you and you and I, you and I are a couple, right? We moved to the U.S. in the '40s. We have kids.
0: Mm-hmm. We
1: grew up with sinigang, but we can't find tamarind. We can't find guava. We can't find tomatoes. So we can't find these ingredients. But we moved to California in the '40s. We we did find is rhubarb, or mm-hmm. green apples, or even or even uh, un unre- you know uh, green strawberries.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: these things when you Ooh, eat them.
0: Strawberries.
1: Yeah. When you okay. eat them, they're sour.
0: Mm-hmm. Like
1: they're really sour, especially rhubarb. They're sour. So what if we use that to make sinigang, right? And then our kids eat the sinigang. They grow up eating specifically that sinigang.
0: Yeah.
1: So that becomes authentic to them. But when they go home to the Philippines, they say, oh, well, I've never had sinigang with some pollock before. I've right. always the Rhubarb. They're going to be like, you're not Filipino.
0: You're not Filipino. Mm-hmm. But
1: So do you see kind of where we're going? What's authentic to you is it can be influenced by so many different things, right? Your environment, where you grew up, how you grew up, how much money you had, you know?
0: Oh, I've gotten into it with people over adobo. I'm like, you don't put coconut milk in adobo and been very humbled by, it. well, <laughs> maybe from where you're from.
1: Right, exactly. So, <laughs> it, but that's my point. There's uh-huh. adobo, you know, adobo sagata. Um, right. You have uh, adobo mbuted that doesn't have soy sauce, like, right? Yeah. Uh, adobo pula, you know, uh, pulang adobo, the one that use that has achoyete in it or auto seed in it. I
0: never there heard are,
1: of that. Uh, oh, dude, there's so many. There are so many variations <laughs> of of a single dish based off of what you have,
0: mm-hmm. you know.
1: And and my, my the thing that gets me at the restaurant is when when the Filipinos that come in, they're super confident. They're like, oh, you don't know what Filipino food is. You're your punsit, blah blah blah, or whatever. Okay. This isn't punsit or some some okay. some whatever. Okay. But my favorite part is is when when you hear them talking even before they eat, even before they have anything, before they even touch their food, they're already formulating a an opinion about what you do. And you have one of two choices at that point, right? As a chef, either you're gonna change your their mind. Or you're not. Okay. That's it. And I'm going to do my job. And I'm going to try to change your mind, your outlook on Filipino food. But if I don't, I don't I don't care. Honestly, you can leave. The fact that people love leaving uh, uh, reviews on Google or Yelp or whatever it is, just proves, uh, you know, it just continues to prove a fact to me mm-hmm. that, like, I why bother? Why bother listening to all this, right? It's because you're not going to change their mind. They usually come in with a snarky attitude, it's like "I this is Filipino, okay, we'll see," you know. But that's okay. Like I, 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 change it up. I do surprise people though. Like my pancit bihon, it takes you know, like for in my mind, I, I think it tastes exactly like my aunt's, except I make it completely vegan and gluten free. The reason why is like you know, I live in Portland, and people, you know, that's their dietary thing. But the yeah. fact that we can change these things, like kare kare, is another big one. Mm-hmm. I don't make kare-kare with bagong or peanuts. Okay. I make, I make my own, like, so I make a seed butter. So I use toasted pumpkin seed. I use pepitas. I make a butter out of that, and it mm-hmm. tastes exactly the same.
0: Oh, that's right? beautiful.
1: And I don't put bagong in it
0: because
1: mm-hmm. of the shrimp aspect, right? Yes. So here's the thing. The reason why I do both of those, I serve bagong on the side. Yes. The reason why I do both of those things is the common allergies, Peanuts, mm-hmm. and shrimp. peanuts and shrimp. Yeah. Now, there are, I can tell you how many Filipinos that have come in that have never eaten it before because they're allergic to peanuts and shrimp. So I say,
0: hey, oh, no
1: you can have this. I have a, a a really close friend of mine, Ryan, who's also a fellow martial arts instructor. He mm-hmm. He's allergic to shrimp. He can't, he can't, can never eat oxtail, can never have the kare kare. I said, you can have this one. He's like, you're crazy, and you could see the hesitant because, because being Filipino, it's ingrained in us that it's made with peanut butter yeah. and it's made with shrimp. But that's the thing: we can change people's minds. You can change if you fundamentally know how to do something. You can keep that core concept and change just a little bit of it without losing that core, without losing the soul, the spirit of a dish, or or a technique or anything like that. And man, he ate that thing. He was like, this is amazing. This is what I've been missing out on. But, you know, I kind of spoiled spoil it for him a little bit because he can't have it anywhere else.
0: Unless he learns I'm, how to make it himself, but.
1: <laughs> and more than happy, more the merrier. If I can share mm-hmm. that, that, that ability to enjoy something. Man, that's why I got in cooking in the first place. I just like feeding people. When people are, man, you know, like that's why, that's why in my opinion, a lot of like food YouTube channels and shows Mm -hmm. are very popular is because people love to watch other people eat. It's weird. Like I love watching, like, you know, I'll, I can watch somebody eat all day. And if I see that smile on your face and you, I see you really getting into it, man, it, it really, it really just, it's, it's very heartwarming, you know, the fact that you're making somebody happy that you're, you're providing a level of sustenance and enjoyment and experience, you know, for somebody. So, yeah.
0: That's a beautiful thing. And, and I love that you're able to do that and, uh, you know, use all of these skills to design your life, your restaurant, your customer's experience. It's, I just, um just bravo, Carlo, bravo. You.
1: <laughs> you try.
0: But anyhow, Um, Tell us a little bit about your restaurants for folks that are local to the Pacific Northwest and uh, coming up Denver. Um, Where can we find you if we're in the neighborhood? And Um, what do you have us look for?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, our, our, you know, our restaurants are here in Portland, Oregon, and in Beaverton, Oregon, the next town over. here in Portland, we have Magna Cucina. It's located in the southeast quadrant of, of uh, Portland, Oregon. Nice little corner spot, hole in the wall, um, serving uh, modern takes on traditional Filipino food. Uh, and then in Beaverton, Magna Kubo is actually uh, a dedication to a lechonaria or or the, the baliwags and the andoks of the world mm. in the Philippines. Remember those old little stalls that you just oh, yes. late night? they're the little rotisserie rose so you just pick yes. a chicken and it's, uh it's my <laughs> dedication to that that that's that's one of my favorite things to eat is on whenever i go on the philippines mm-hmm. um, and and yeah so, so we opened that we're, we're there and then um coming soon denver denver colorado we have magna kainan and uh, uh, which is going to be a much larger uh project um Definitely, definitely a much more uh, kind of like a, a smash up between the two restaurants here in mm. in Oregon, uh, and we're also opening uh, as of right now an unnamed rooftop bar in Denver mm. uh, attached to the restaurant. It so almost secret-
0: sounds like a speakeasy.
1: <laughs> the opposite of a speakeasy. It's actually uh, you know speakeasies are you know get it you have to go to a secret location. Yeah. But this one's going to be definitely just sitting on the top and overlooking downtown Denver, so it's a beautiful
0: oh, view. It's going to be great. I yeah. am, I'm not going to Denver anytime soon, but I'm already like, oh gosh, I, I imagining. Go- <laughs> That's I'm okay. So yeah,
1: I mean, we're pushing. We're pushing. What? What? We're introducing to many strangers what Filipino food is,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: I, I'm showing. Uh, our our fellow country pe- countrymen, our people, as well as people who are familiar with Filipino food, what Filipino food can be, you know. Um, and there are amazing chefs out there doing the same thing. You know, I'm not the only one.
0: Yeah.
1: We're yes. all fighting. We're all fighting the the same fight. We're all um, trying to lift this platform up for all of us and for the generations to come. Right? I'm old. I'm I'm getting too old for this. You know. I just at some point. <laughs> At some point, there's going to be a young kid that's going to be be the next, you know, great Filipino chef that's going to continue on this journey. And all I hope is that I I get recognized for just helping, you know, mm-hmm. for helping helping push our culture and our food along. So nothing well, nothing much.
0: It looks like you're doing you're you're doing well and getting recognition for it. So I'm really I'm really pleased and proud of you. Oh. Thank me, you. Carlo. Um, um, I'm proud to know you. <laughs> Even if we're just a little um that little while in college. But I wanted to ask, like I would be amiss. We're we're out of time, but I have to ask. Like I remember the last time that I was in Portland, because I used to go every year for the beer fest. I remember not seeing any Filipino. There was no pho. And there was no there was no southeast asian presence as far as restaurants was concerned it was a lot you know uh for those of you who've never been or aren't familiar with the town it's a big microbrewery foodie mm-hmm. town with lots of great stuff but it's mostly european cuisine uh or or american very white, if you will yeah. um and then denver is a very very similar you know area
1: yeah
0: how how are you breaking into these I mean, the palette
1: is just so different. Well, well, Portland now has grown to a, a much larger, a broader palette. There are a lot of uh, Southeast Asian foods now. The Vietnamese is very popular. So is Thai food out here, but there isn't very much Filipino representation. I will say that for sure. We're um, right. It's very white, both very white cities. But here's the thing, you know, in these communities, you could tell they crave flavor. They crave culture. They crave. That's why they, you know, that's why people latch on to to mm-hmm. so many different aspects of so many different cultures. Whether it's um, whether it's rap music, uh, the way that that people dress, or uh, you know, anime, manga, all these, you know, people. Our culture is our own, and we're very proud of it. But I'm also very proud to be able to share it with people. Mm-hmm. If people adopt it as their own great. You know, if they want to co-opt it on their own, then we'll have a conversation. You know, well, if, if a white guy's going to open a Filipino restaurant, I'll have a conversation with that individual. That's how I look at it. Right. Sure. But I think the biggest thing really is just like, I think people crave flavor. They crave culture. And that's what we bring. We bring culture and flavor and hospitality. Those are things that we are very well known for. Yes. Um, and so it kind of does make it a little easier to break into these little sectors because we're providing something that is something different and something unique, uh, something that um, that is just not not your day to day and average thing. You know, it's not it's not a burger. It's not. Don't get me wrong. I love burgers, fries, and pizza and tacos like yes. anybody else but look at all those things man they all come from somewhere else tacos come from mexico burgers come from germany fries come from belgium who cares like the the thing is is that is that as long to me as long as it's good like if i was serving crap food i wouldn't survive you know um, yes. Most but thankfully you know knock on wood i like to think that i'm not serving serving something that's not delicious you know so that's
0: beautiful
1: yeah
0: well, Carlo, thank you so much for taking the time, um, spending this time with me and our viewers because you know talk through. Um, thank you for watching today's show. This is Francis Bauer. See you on the next episode of Design Your Life. Bye bye now. ang ubo, mabilis lumala.
1: Kaya dapat agapad. Dapat New Soul Advance Advanced Syrup. May 2 times zinc para ang ubo, imbis na lumala, tulungang mabilis mawala. New Soul Advance Advanced
0: Syrup. Unilab 40D, tumutulong patibayin ng vital organs, iwas sakit sa puso at iba pang sakit.